neighbors, welcome to Ocean Avenue, an unofficial Bob's Burgers, Simpsons, and Family Guy podcast. And I'm your host, Donnie. Today is premiere night. Each series is on their second episode of the current season. We're going to start off with Bob's Burgers, The Amazing Rudy, The Simpsons, A Mid-Child Night's Dream, and Family Guy, Supermarket Pete. <laughs> so interesting tonight. Well, anyways, before we get this video started, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be discussing Bob's Burgers first. Welcome back, and here's the overview for Season 14, Episode 2, The Amazing Rudies. <laughs> Alright, so we have the classic intro. The shop that's next door is called I Want You To Want Tea, the, and the exterminator is Do The My Thing. <laughs> so I wrote this very quickly, so we'll find out if I have any errors. I just realized that there was an error. Okay, we see a pretty intro of a bird flying away from Bob's restaurant. She soon... She soon see we then we soon see Rudy with Pancake his stuff flounder. I don't know if you know who Pancake is, but there was actually a really cute uh, exit song where he was singing to flounder his flounder Pancake. It was very cute. I have it on my um, Instagram. You can look for it under my reels. That's the most recent one. I didn't realize Pancake was in this episode. So cool. His father calls him for breakfast and he announces that they're going to a restaurant and he's really jazzed. And Rudy doesn't seem like he's that interested. Rudy wants to stop at the magic store for a new trick. There was an awkward fist bump situation soon after. It was really cute and weird. <laughs> Rudy enters Wands Wands Wands, and they, we learn about Esmeralda is the owner of the shop. We then realize that Rudy is apparently allergic to grass. When he went to the Wands 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 thing, uh, his father asked him for some, if he needed any money. He goes, no, I still have money from, I guess, like a thing he did, and he had gotten, he found out that he was allergic to grass. Very interesting. Rudy's dad is waiting for him in the car while he is browsing around because Rudy doesn't want him to reveal his tricks. So as he's browsing the store, he is looking for something to wow people for dinner. Esmeralda offers him sodium polyalkylate, I think is what it was, as a trick. Rudy and his dad are entering a car wash and are discussing why Rudy is uncomfortable at these dinners. We don't actually hear anything because it's the loud noises coming from the car wash but we kind of realize it's something important as they seem kind of like really in like intense about it moments later they're at the mall rudy sees that the belcher family and watches them doing their shopping they're looking for their grandparents anniversary gift they're at a knickknack store and rudy abandons his, uh looking for his hat and talks to them they offer him to come for dinner and he can't because he has plans. We get a hint that it's a family thing. And then we also, when we come back, we see Rudy's new hat, which is really cute. He's sitting on the sofa with his new hat. His dad explains that these that he's going to the dinner with his girlfriend and Rudy's going with her new mom, a new boyfriend. Rudy needs, <laughs> Rudy hears his news and needs to go poop. And then his father also needs to go and they rush to the bathroom before we go to break. When we come back, we see Rudy and his dad are in the car driving. They begin having a very awkward chit-chat. Obviously, they are all uncomfortable about the whole situation, as normally it's just Rudy and his mom and dad, and not um, their dates also, too. So that's an entire new situation for them. We soon see Rudy is left out of the conversation when he's at the restaurant, and the adults are talking to each other and kind of ignoring him. 
He's just watching all this entire situation go out in front of him. Rudy starts having flashbacks of when he was younger and they were doing magic tricks. Uh, he was doing magic tricks to make everyone happy. When he has those flashbacks, he's only envisioning uh, his mom and dad and how his magic tricks really broke the ice and made them laugh and enjoy him. So he was really happy about that. Rudy begins to pass around the cup in current time and pours water into the cup and then adds sodium polyalgylate. I forgot. And he apparently didn't wait long enough. And when he poured it out, it spills all over the table and his onto his dad's date's lap. His mother is a little concerned and asks, what is in this stuff? And then he announces that it's sodium polyacrylate and that he had he said it in a sad voice he was like a magician never reveals his tricks rudy is upset and says he wants to go to the bathroom and runs out of the restaurant the piano music playing throughout this episode is beautiful and haunting and i cried multiple times especially when he was like having those flashbacks of when he was doing the magic tricks for his parents at the restaurant when he was younger wow i was like the feels because you don't I don't relate to this exact situation because my parents have always been together, but I can relate to the situation of feeling like an outsider when things are happening and you have no control over it and you're just watching, you know, things are not how they used to be and it's changing very rapidly and you're going to be lost in the mix kind of thing. And that can be very traumatizing to someone who's not prepared for that. And I'm sure Rudy was dealing with these feelings of like they're too focused on their relationships and not on him kind of thing. That's really sad. So as he runs out, uh, his mom is a little, yeah, his mom, Rudy is upset. Goes, okay, I'm trying to remember where I left off. We get back and when we go on break, we get back and Rudy is crying as he's walking down the street. He stops at the Belcher's restaurant and watches them in the window. The kids seen that Rudy was outside and Rudy lies and says that they dropped him off, that his parents dropped him off. They were about to eat their Brussels, I think it was Brussels sprout lasagna. I don't remember exactly what they said, but I think they said that. But then it wasn't Brussels sprouts. It was like a bunch of, I think it was chives or something. I don't know. Very weird lasagna. Let's just say that. We get to hear Gene thanking the family for, well, no, wait, I skipped those sections. <laughs> They're about to eat their lasagna. And we hear Gene thanking his family for letting him do this because, you know, they let him have fun and be creative with his food because, you know, Bob never had the opportunity growing up. Gene asked them if they would like to give one word to describe the meal they're eating. <laughs> Some of the replies were really funny. They were like ranging from like lasagna, like okay, or oh, interesting, stuff like that. It was so funny. Rudy accidentally slips at their, uh, slips during that entire situation and that he was he might have escaped from the restaurant and they all become a little suspicious over him being there. Linda wants to call his parents back at the restaurant and because his parents are worried. Back at the Belcher's, uh, well, the, <laughs> Linda wants to call her, his parents. Then back at the restaurant, his parents are worried. And then we're back at Rudy, explain the whole situation um, that he's in. So Bob wants to drive Rudy back and Linda is trying to call his parents again. Linda finally gets in contact with them and Bob is looking for his keys. Louise offers to walk Rudy back to the restaurant and we learn Louise has brass knuckles which really made me laugh <laughs> because I was like what <laughs> and how do they not know how did she get them but anyways Lynn and Bob are watching them in the window and saying that Louise is sweet for walking him to the restaurant Rudy and Louise discuss magic tricks as soon as they reach the rest restaurant his parents are hugging him and invite Louise to dinner with them the music music was so touching at the end when the credits rolled so 
I didn't get a chance to write a review um, in this overview because it literally just happened a few minutes ago, but I want to say it was a surprisingly beautiful story. Uh, it's not a traditional funny ha 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 Bob's Burgers episode, which I'm grateful for. I think I've mentioned this many times on this podcast that I do enjoy the sad moments as much as I do the happy moments. I just don't want it all to be sad. <laughs> Once in a while, perfect. Every time, no. This was one of those stories that I think will go down as one of the most emotional Bosburgers episodes, for me anyways. Uh, right after, I think, the Christmas episode we had last year, which made me ball into like uh, in fetal position forever. It was very sweet and sad, and um, I loved it at the very end. And this, mo- this one also is one of those where you're just like, you relate to Rudy so much because everyone feels uncomfortable dealing with situations of big change stuff like that can really you know open up your mind a little and when you're watching someone going through their traumatic moment i guess at that time you kind of really really feel bad for them and you kind of like reflect on your own life and stuff like that very interesting i uh also enjoyed that they were very how would you say focused on what a child's response to to those situations and what they see as opposed to what the parents see because we see rudy um being obviously as a child is much smaller than his parents that we just see his eye level for most of it and it makes you really see we're, we're actually seeing through his eyes kind of thing and not as adults looking at a child but as a child looking through a child's eyes it's very interesting i enjoyed it just I really love this episode. There was just something about this episode that just really clicked with me. I enjoyed it a lot. It was very, very funny in certain spots. But most of it was more emotional than anything else. And I really enjoyed that they gave us another side of Bob's Burgers. You know, like we get to experience more of the universe that is, um, you know, Ocean Avenue and uh, Seymour's Bay. We get like air, other character stories. I remember they used to do this in The Simpsons occasionally. We'll have an episode where is very little of The Simpsons are involved. I'm laughing because I remember that one part. I forgot which episode it was. I think it was Ralph's story where we see um, The Simpsons for a brief moment or something. Yeah, so it kind of gave me it was like it harkened that kind of like response to me where I'm like, this isn't a Bob's Burgers episode, but it is a Bob's Burgers episode kind of feeling. Like you're like, oh yeah. Uh, I just, I just loved it. So there's nothing negative I could even say about this episode because from beginning to end, I was entertained. There was no boring spots. There was a lot of thinking. There was a little bit of a mystery behind it. We finally get to see Rudy's mom, which is very nice. We got to see Rudy's um, mom's boyfriend, I think, for a little bit. And then we saw Rudy's dad's new girlfriend. And we saw a new restaurant. I don't think we've ever seen before when they were walking in that fancy restaurant. And I really enjoyed that they let Louise eat with them. And I'm sure Louise is really happy because she didn't have to eat that Brussels sprout dinner lasagna thing. <laughs> so overall, I get this episode a 10 out of 10. I mean, there's no faults here. I don't know what to tell you. I can't make it any more uh, describing it any better than I can because it's so good. I think uh, it's probably an episode I will watch uh, once in a while because I just had a really good... It was a very wholesome, loving episode and uh yeah like everything with rudy it's always magical and sweet and adorable so yeah so up next 
is The Simpsons. This is an overview of Season 35, Episode 2, A Mid-Childhood Night's Dream. We get a cold open of Marge shopping like she normally does, but in this, like she normally does in the intro, but she is buying a bubble toy. She gets home and we see that this is a flashback and all the kids are very little. She begins to give the kids the bubble toy and Marge is hinting that she feels the kids are slipping away as they get inside bubbles or something. Then we learn it was a nightmare and she wakes up. She explains to Homer that she feels the kids are slipping away from her and Homer notices that Marge is not looking too hot. <laughs> she be and This is one of the few times we ever see Marge really, really sick. She begins naming off all the food that she ate, which is really funny because it was a lot of like really gross looking sounding food, like fried something, I forget what it was, and, and Homer's like, oh yeah, I missed eating that, it was good. She begins to throw up and is curious, why didn't Homer get sick? His answer was that he's all thrown up. <laughs> Marge has uh, has PTA and Bounce-a-thon something and is planning to go. Marge goes back to sleep and continues having a nightmare of losing Bart. Homer is playing an, as an otter playing a didgeridoo. Then Lisa shows up in her dream and explains lucid dreaming because <laughs> the only thing Lisa can say in Marge's dreams are things that Marge heard. So Marge misheard Lisa saying lucid dreaming and said Lucy dreaming. So that's what they say in the whole episode. So <laughs> Marge is realizing that she has powers in her dream world and she has new abilities to alter her dreams. Otter Homer is trying, such a weird funny word. Otter Homer is trying to help her understand what she is truly feeling in her dream. Marge continues to enter the filing cabinet of memories to see what is happening to her. We've soon seen Bart... Bart's new teacher, I forget, they introduced her recently and I forgot her name. She begins uh, naming terrifying evolutions that children go through as they enter middle school. She explains that this is the end of his childhood and that Marge, is, uh, Marge begins to spiral out of space. When And that's right before break time. And then when we come back from the break, Marge is on a psycho psychologist bed and we learn that Lisa is a psychologist and she's very little. I think she says she was like two months old or something. When And then she wakes up. She looks horrible and she is determined to make rice crispy. Marge begins to throw up and is upset that this is the first event she's going to miss. She begs Homer to take pictures but Bart says he can't do a thumbs up because he built a new brand and that would ruin it. Bart explains his feelings and Marge feels that he is becoming so mature and quickly falls asleep randomly. She begins to have another lucid dream. She is desperately looking for answers to her feelings. And she, that she has and talks to Lisa and hot Homer. He looks like Ben Diesel. <laughs> so funny. She begins to spiral into an anxious depression over losing her kids uh, as they age. Marge reenacts a scene from Terminator where she's holding the gates at the playground and Bart pulls out his phone and the flash goes off and she's incinerated. When I told you I laughed at that scene. <laughs> It was so funny. When we come back from the break, Marge is at the door of her destroyed home, at the floor of her destroyed home, and Homer is now a little doggy. Marge is crushed that her role as a mother will end, and she doesn't want it to. We see now we see Homer replaying a recent memory of the bounceathon. That's what it was, and she realizes Lisa is still excited for it. She is realizing that even though Bart is over the bounceathon, she still has to be there for Lisa. She is very sick and does everything she can and soon barfs her way to an electric scooter. And then her trying to find a name, she's like, Barf Mom. 
Borf mom and it was all taken. And then she just put in Marge and it went through. It was so funny. I, I don't know why they just cracked me up. It kind of reminded me of the whole Bort situation at the Krusty uh, at the was it Itchy and Scratchy Land? Crack me up. We soon see that Skinner and has a clown wig on at the Bounce-a-thon. She uses her illness to get in front of the line, which is really messed up. She kept saying that she has like a contagious virus or something, and everybody runs away. She passes out before taking a pic of Lisa putting her thumbs up. Then she learns, after she wakes up, she talks to Bart's mom, I mean, teacher, and Bart, Marge learns that Bart's teacher didn't say all those things that she was worried about. She actually misheard a lot of those things, and Marge is relieved when she... And so when she enters her lucid dream, Homer said, you can, you can have, don't worry because Bart will probably have grandchildren before Maggie starts kindergarten. <laughs> Marge feels better and soon watches him race, finish the race. And Bart uses the bouncy balls to make it look like his butt cheeks. Marge loves the gag and Bart and her are close again, walking to the dunk tank together. She mentions she needs to get him some strong deodorant. Now I put, <laughs> I failed to mention that the Bart's teacher kept really <laughs> pushing Marge to buy some strong deodorant for Bart. It was so funny. He just kept saying, you need to get some really strong deodorant for Bart. Like, really strong. Oh, my gosh. All right. So, this episode review. What can I say? I loved it. It was so good. Um, oh, my goodness. There's so much to talk about on this episode. The difference between this episode and the... the Bob's Burgers episode. Bob's Burgers episode was very one, like it was a very linear story. This one was like jumping around a lot between dream world and real world and all that other stuff. And I really enjoy that they reflected previous storylines of Bart freaking out, Marge freaking out over losing the kids to age and the kids evolving, even though they never age, which is really funny. But it, it wasn't it was an entirely new storyline and I enjoyed it. It also kind of reminded me of when Homer ate that chili pepper and he had a lucid dream or like or something like that. Like he was drugged out of his mind and he had realizations of his life. This is a, this is Marge's version of it. And uh, what I did enjoy a lot was that Marge. I mean, I kind of wish Marge actually went to get some professional help. And if I was if I was talking about this person in real life. But since it is fantasy world, I do real, really am happy that the reference of, you know, anxiety and depression over having to deal with aging and seeing things that you're very comfortable with and happy with that you may have to evolve in your life because those things are going to evolve as time changes. And Marge is realizing, like, she's so happy being a mom right now and she doesn't want that to go away because then she'll end up being like a, a business owner at like a store or something, she said. And uh, it also is very interesting to see, you know, Bart also evolving as a character, being, uh, you know, such a prankster in the beginning of the series. And now he's more interested in, like, social media and stuff like that, which is more current and very interesting that they evolved his character that far. Um, I also like that when she was lucid dreaming that she only could understand, I mean, she could only get advice from Lisa from what she remembered her, her saying which is really interesting and funny because that I think that's pretty accurate when you think about it. You can only really refer to something you thought you heard, not the actual hearing of it, because it's a dream. Her own, you know, brain waves are re reenacting things that she perceived. 
So when she was also listening to the teacher, she perceived that the teacher was saying all of these negative things about aging and then Bart was going to leave and all that other stuff. When in reality, all she was was saying that he was, um, you know, finishing school. That was it. And she thought, well, it's going to be the end. Everything's going to change and I'm going to be lonely and all my kids are grown up and gone. Which is very relatable to me because I have the exact same anxieties. I don't have any kids. But my anxieties are that, the, you know, uncontrollable circumstances in the future may happen. And then you feel like, oh, I, I'm going to lose this, this and that. It's just an aging process. As you get older, you're like, oh, if I go blind, if I lose my hearing, if I can't walk or... You know, a lot of things that you just like worry yourself to death over that really you shouldn't because you should live your life now. And Marge is now realizing towards the end of the story that, yeah, you got to roll with the punches. We're all going to age. <laughs> things are going to change. But I really did enjoy the the bounce-a-thon. That was really funny. We saw Skinner with a, a clown wig, which was really funny to me, too. And a lot of the jokes, even though they weren't like, you know, slap your knee hilarious, they were very chuckle worthy and I enjoyed it a lot. It was one of the few episodes that was not only like realistic, it was well, emotional wise, but also like funny and different. So I, I'm going to give this episode a 10 out of 10. I really, can't say too much negative i just wish maybe the pacing was a little better but other than that i really can't say much negatives about it i enjoyed it i thought it was fun it it really paired well with the bob's burger episode because they're both uh you know talking about deep emotions that i don't think they really do too often on these shows so i don't know if it's like a a community event like they're trying to do that in all three shows or what but you know it felt nice that we had that little change of pace a little bit more of a somber not even somber more of a thought-provoking week that's a better word not somber i'm not tired <laughs> well up next is family guy family this is an overview of season 22 episode 2 supermarket pete we have Peter at work and we learn that the brewery is going through some changes. We soon learn that Peter destroyed his pants at work. Some of the changes at work are that they're going to have a vegan chef in a nursery. We have a funny scene where Peter is dressed as a baby asking if anyone's allowed to use the nursery. Because of the transition, the brewery will be closed for two months. Back at the bar, Peter is learning, is explaining his situation and he's going to be off work for a long time. Joe begins to talk about getting an ice cream cake for some random reason. Peter interrupts him talking about an Amazon delivery guy telling him that he delivered a package for Pat Say Sajak. <laughs> the guy from Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> Joan gets irritated by everyone and in that everyone enjoyed Peter's story more than his and he rolls off to Brian. <laughs> Brian is explained that he is looking for a topic for his next novel and Joe explains that he has a lot of stories that he could be told from his criminal cases that he has. He mentions don't name your children Brittany or Lacey because apparently they have <laughs> they have more cases on those names than any other. Lois walks in and talks to Peter about overdue bills and says one of them said, bitch you better have my money. <laughs> so funny. 
Peter blames Delaware and Chris says, thanks, Sleepy Joe. Peter reveals that he's getting paid for, he's not getting paid for the two months that he's off and Lois is worried. Peter says that he's got it all figured out and we get a cutaway of him dancing to the mailbox, opening his letter. We see that he's rejected by Julie Juilliard and we soon see Quagmire opening his mail dancing, saying that he got his big check. Peter's down on himself for losing six figures a month from that job, which is, I don't understand that. We soon see Joe and Brian opening case files. Brian wants to make a novel and many other forms of media using the cases. Brian wants to whitewash the stories to make them have a broader appeal. Soon after, we see Lois at the supermarket and we're giving her, and they are giving her the best service ever. She walks around, notices a new person is working today, and she learns that it's Peter. The announcer says, plot twist on aisle one. And the announcer gives a convincing, uh, non-convincing speech about not being a corporate spy sent to stop uni store unionization. After the break, we get back at the supermarket and Peter loves his job. Lois is annoyed that he works there as it's her domain. Peter mentions that he lies about product locations and hides into the mist. Which is so funny. Uh, back at the clam, Joe and Brian are discussing crimes and Brian is spicing it up as he's typing it. Joe begins to ask about Random House and its locations. I don't know if you would know what Random House is. They're publishing, a book publishing company and they have multiple locations of distribution, I believe. And that's what Joe was talking about. He obviously doesn't know anything about books other than what they look like and like the front and back pages. Back at home, Peter turns turn the house into a supermarket and is using the intercom. Lois finds her vitamins uh, after li listening to Peter talk on the intercom and walks out of the, the kitchen. Ugh, oh my goodness. Uh, Chris stops her for shoplifting and calls her dad to pick her up. Mr. Peter Schmidt <laughs> says, this all changed when you got lipstick. I knew it. <laughs> supposed to be like one of those talks you have with your kid after they get caught stealing at a supermarket or something. Brian and Joe are back at writing a novel and Joe feels discouraged and punches himself with his ideas, I guess. They begin visiting the families uh, that are involved in the crime. The people that are involved, the, the families are disturbed by the questions and they close the door. Brian poops in the yard and as he's cleaning, he kicks it up and stumbles upon a box with the storage key. Lois, when, back with Lois, when we, <laughs> Lois went to get fish, there you go, and Peter is irritated with, is irritating her. Lois screams at Peter and she gets kicked out of the supermarket. They have a really funny fake Oscar memoriam of past shoppers that were kicked out and they have Betty White in there and they place Lois after Betty White. Which is really funny because she's like, why would you put me behind Lois, behind Betty White? It's so funny. They have a, um, when we come back, we see Bonnie and Louis, Lois at the kitchen table and they are venting and then she is venting to Bonnie. Uh, Bonnie suggests to work at the Drunken Clam as revenge. Lois feels that this is going to teach Peter a lesson and Peter is actually really into it. Joe and Brian are at the storage facility and they bump into the host of Serial. I listened to Serial uh, when it first came out. I enjoyed it thoroughly, in case you're curious. Uh, and also, Keith Morrison is like a god to me. I love him to death. He does the Dateline uh, podcast and the show. So freaking good. So if you ever like want to listen to another podcast and you're really into true crime, I would suggest listening to either one of those. 
And then they also brought in the uh, NPR ladies and Chris Hansen, which was random. And they show up and they started to fight. And it was really funny because they all want the rights to this case for a podcast. It all became rather dramatic and very funny because it's like almost like they were going to kill each other just to get this case because there's so few cases for the amount of podcasters in this world that do true crime. <laughs> as, uh, as these podcasters are fighting, Brian and Joe were realizing that they feel kind of wrong doing this and they leave. Peter enters the house and Lois is upset. Lois explains why the supermarket is so important to her. She feels that it's an escape from uh, escape and that they are like a family to her. Peter begs the manager at the supermarket to let Lois back and it's revealed that he can't because she yelled at a developmentally challenged person. Peter explains he's not and the manager allows Lois back for Lois back and fires Peter for lying. Peter calls the Mickey copter and mentions that Disney is <laughs> mentions to Disney this is perfect synergy. In the final scene, we have Peter and his manager at the brewery, and we learn that the CEO of WeWork, the subsidiary of the of the brewery, um, he took all the money and went on vacation. Then we have Chris. It was a Chris Hansen or no? It was uh, I wrote down Chris Hansen, but it wasn't. It was um, Keith Morrison. Oof, I don't know why I put down Chris Hansen because he was leaning on the wall, and Peter says that was wet paint, and then he yells "son of a," and then we cut to black. <laughs> Such a funny episode. Um, there's a lot to unpack on this. <laughs> so I understand that, like, the frustration of Joe wanting to say it. You know, he feels like his stories are not catching attention or, or interest in his own group of friends. But then when he went with Brian, he felt like he found someone that was a creative equal to him, and they felt like they could take an opportunity of using Joe's, um, you know you know access to criminal files as a way to create a podcast well he's not the only one that does that apparently there are like a hundred true crime podcasts out there and they all have uh they want access to all as much you know criminal cases they can and a lot of them are really doing it for the fame and for attention and not really for helping create a solution to a lot of these cases I'm not going to say exactly which ones I believe are doing that, but yes, there are some that do that. And it irritates me a lot because you can tell that they're just using it as a marketing ploy and not to actually help anyone. And that makes me really upset. And then we have that other side story of Peter going on a two month um, <laughs> leave of work, I guess. And during that time, I understand how Lois is like really stressed out for money, but then I don't really understand why she's always stressed out for money when her father's like a billionaire. Like I know she doesn't want her dad's money, but I guess in certain situations when you're like out of like there's no money coming in for two months, I think it's not that bad to go ask for some help until you get your feet back on the ground. But apparently Lois likes to imagine that she was born poor or something. I don't know. But either way. We have Peter trying to look for work and he does find a job that he enjoys but obviously annoys Lois. And I, I don't know, I think they've done a story like that before, but not the supermarket. But it's it sound it feels very similar. I'm trying to think. No. And then we have um Lois who is like she feels like he's invading her space too much and it really irritates her. I don't know if anyone else had that situation where you're like just feeling like you have your favorite hangout and then all of a sudden it gets like 
people you don't want there. You're like, why are you here? Why are you bothering me? And it's just like, I'm getting away from you people. That's the reason why I'm over here. <laughs> it's like, it never ends. They're just like, you can't, you have no escape to anywhere. And that's what Lois is really upset about because they're like a family to her. And it's so funny because they've mentioned many times, like she goes to that supermarket. I think it's called Stop and Shop or something. She goes to that supermarket, I think when Stewie said a cuss word, where she walked in and she's like, I, I know all of your names. And they're like, our names are on our name tags. Of course you know our names. <laughs> it's so funny. But it kind of reminds me of that whole situation of all the people that work at the supermarket and she knows them all. And she's like really obsessed with supermarkets for some reason. Well, anyways... And also, she was being kind of, like, rude when she was like, oh, look at that, like, you know, like, looking at Peter's butt and being like, oh, yeah, I want a piece of that or whatever. If it wasn't Peter, I bet that would have been really awkward and I don't know. But when Peter does it, she gets upset. So it's kind of like, well, you're doing the same thing. But whatever. <laughs> but also, it was kind of, it was just a funny overall episode. It wasn't hilarious. But it was, you know, it was really funny. I had, you know, a couple chuckles throughout it, such as the six figures for being a dancer. I don't even think they make that a month. They make that like in 10 years. I don't know. I know dancers don't make a lot of money, but who knows? Maybe there are some that make six figures a month. I'd love to know who those were, who those people are. But um, yeah, there was a lot of really good jokes. This is like the corporate spy thing, stopping unionization at the supermarket and stuff like that. <laughs> really funny uh, i also enjoyed the whole podcaster fight with the uh, trying to get information from that uh murder uh what was it like a criminal case that they had that was also really funny uh it kind of reminded me of the fight that they that chris and meg had when they were at the cafeteria i forgot what episode that was but they were fighting and it kind of reminded me of that but not as not as elaborate it was more of a toned down version of it but I also kind of me find it messed up when uh, the CEO for WeWork took all the money went on vacation because that really is like a analog to what's happening at this very moment of CEOs taking a big chunk of the, the profits of their companies and using it on themselves for bonuses and not helping out the people that work hourly or, you know, or on salary or whatever. So it's, uh, it's very poignant even to this day. <laughs> So I give this episode a hmm, a 9 out of 10. I kind of wish it was a little funnier, but I enjoyed it. It was very good. I It wasn't anything negative about it. I just really enjoyed it. It was really good. Is it the best Family Guy episode? No, but I'll watch it again. Yeah, easily. It was a good, it was a good episode. So here are my uh, the wrap-up for this week, for this uh, you know premiere week. I'm going to give the number one spot to... Bob's Burgers. I mean, come on. That Rudy episode is is legendary now. It's only been out for like, what, an hour? It's legendary. <laughs> it's iconic. <laughs> so quickly. It didn't take much time. It was, it was a very good episode. I enjoyed it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. The, I mean, obviously, it, it touches a lot of the feelings. It touches a lot of the like, emotions of, of the night. It's just very well written. And, uh, I wouldn't mind more episodes of Rudy once in a while. I think it'd be kind of nice. And then number two spot would go to The Simpsons because the Marge story was also an emotional story, which I was very impressed with that it wasn't like over the top. It had a, it had a, a couple chuckle moments. There, It didn't really have as much impact as the Bob's Burgers episode emotionally, but it did make you think. 
it made you go through some feelings. So I think that deserved to be the number two spot for the night. And then finally, uh, Family Guy, even though it was probably the funnier episode tonight, and uh, it's just the stories didn't really gel together. the whole Brian thing and the whole Peter thing were totally different worlds, but I enjoyed both storylines. There was no weak one among them. I just wish it gelled a little bit better. But in that, I thought it was really great. So yeah, it definitely deserves uh, the 9 out of 10 for me. Now, I'll probably watch all of these episodes many times over, so my opinions of it may change later in life. But at tonight, from watching it, those are the scores I would give them. Because I really thought that they were all successful. Unlike, I think, was it last week? I didn't really feel I was really into them as much, but this week, yeah, they all hit it out of the park really well. I kind of wish these were the first episodes of the season because they were more impactful than the other three from the last week. I'm not going to rate every... <laughs> I'm not going to rate the every previous episode. You know how hilarious that would be? I'm going to rate three series previous episodes every every podcast episode that's just chaos but yeah compared to last week's i give this week's a much higher rating overall i felt like it was more entertaining and more lasting and left an impression on me that will last for a very long time especially the everudy episode which if they don't win an emmy for that i'll be really surprised because i felt like well between that one and the Amelia Earhart episode. I think the Amelia Earhart episode will probably, if they put it up for an Emmy nomination, I think they'll win. Honestly, it was done very, very well. This episode is uh, probably right after. Oh, geez, there's so many good episodes these last two. So that Christmas episode is probably number two, even though it was my number one favorite episode ever. Uh, it's my favorite Christmas episode ever for sure. But I would say the Amelia episode is like maybe either ahead by a little bit or tied. And then we have Rudy, because I really love that episode. I mean, they're, they're like my, what do you call that? They're, they they are my uh, legendary Pokemon versions of uh, episodes for Bob's Burgers. And for The Simpsons, this is pretty much a uh, top tier, like newer season episode. And, you know, it wasn't the best of the best of The Simpsons, but for a recent se- season, in like a newer season, yeah, it's pretty good. And then Family Guy, it's uh, overall, you know, it's really high for a Family Guy episode in general. But also, it's, um, I want to see what they have more coming up this season. Because if this is like any indication that they might be going a different route with their comedy, I'm for it. Because I really enjoy the, the flash, the, what do you call it? The, yeah, flashbacks? Cutaways. The cutaways aren't as intense now, and I'm really enjoying that. You do lose some of the comedy of it all, but, you know, it's okay because they're actually doing a lot more uh, in better in storytelling, which I'm really grateful for. So, yeah, those are all the episodes of Premiere Night. We don't forget that next week is... Oh, I forgot the name of the title. <laughs> I forgot the name of the title. Oh, yeah, Friday the 13th, A Ocean Avenue Beginning. That's what it was. On that episode, we're going to be reviewing some more Halloween episodes. Um, probably, I'm going to look on IMDb and see what the highest rated episodes are. And then, if they're all the same episodes that I just did before, I'll do the lowest rated ones. <laughs> I'll figure out. We'll find out this Friday. 
Um, maybe Friday or Saturday. Like, I want to do it Friday, but sometimes I, I barely miss it by like an hour because of all the craziness that goes on. But yeah, hopefully I'll have it out by Friday. Because I want it to be out by Friday 13th. I think I'm going to record it like in a couple days and just stay up late and just record the whole thing so that it's ready by Friday. Because I want it to be on Friday 13th. Friday 13th means a lot to me. Well, anyways, uh, don't forget to check out my my Instagram at uh, Ocean Avenue Podcast, my website at podcastrodani.com for any information or if you want to contact me and say, hey, what's up? Also, there'll be uh, a message available uh, to write on Spotify underneath this that probably have like a quick question on there or you could do the poll. They'll also have one underneath of what episode you thought was the best tonight. And then, um, yeah. I'm trying to think of what else, something else I wanted to say, but I'll know next time. I'll tell you if I remember it. <laughs> but until then, bye bye.